0: Last week I began what was part one of a teaching on God's forever kingdom. Uh, We spoke about last week about the already not yet nature of the kingdom of God that Jesus himself inaugurated. And since then, it's been a um, very eventful week. Uh, In many ways, no matter what side of the political spectrum you are on, it's a sad moment in our history in our United States history. It's sad we live in a a nation that is uh, as divided as our nation is right now. Uh, The news is a sad place to spend time. Uh, Social media is even worse. And no one wants to say it uh, anyways, not on the news that I'm reading, but no one wants to say it, but they're kind of, it's all like, it's right underneath the surface is that it feels like our, our, a civil war in our nation's kind of brewing. And it might not be like a war of arms, though there are a lot of people that are buying guns right now, but it's a cold war. That's what it feels like anyway. And even though it is a cold war, it still feels like a war. And then you have the church, right? Uh, did you know that there are over 205 million Christians in the United States according to one estimate? And you would think If 205 million people who have the same king and live for the same kingdom, those people would be united in their pursuit of righteousness and justice in the world. Then it would like move the the nation towards a a holiness and a righteousness. But that's kind of not the case right now. In many ways, the church has lost its saltiness. And this um, this is the reality that I see as a pastor right now. I see people in the church giving themselves to conspiracy theories, uh, to progressive ideologies, uh, to humanism that's disguised as freedom, uh, to greed that cloaks itself in securing a financial future, uh, and to a spirituality that lacks teeth in an unjust world. And I'm not beyond guilt in this assessment either. I too stand guilty in many ways of exhausting my own energy trying to build my own kingdom with my own comforts and my own will at the center of it. But here's the thing. God is building something as well. God is building something right now in the midst of this world that um, that I think we have to, as Christians, uh, get on board and become a part of if we're truly Christian, if we're truly followers of Jesus. So with that, please turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse four. I'm gonna read uh, the text from, uh, from our teaching today, and then I'll pray. I'll pray for our time uh, this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse four. I'm gonna read all the way down to verse 10. Has you come to him, the living stone, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone that causes people to stumble and the rock that, that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are, were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's word. Let's pray. King Jesus, I pray, I pray that you would save your church that you purify your church, that you discipline your church and lift it up, prune it, cut it back. All these things that you say in the scriptures that you do and myself included, do it to me as well. Lord, because we want to be salt and light in this world that feels like every week there's more and more decay. Make us salt and light, God. Make us to be part and partners of your kingdom more than the kingdom of self, the kingdom of capitalism, the kingdom of America, the kingdom of the nations of the world, the kingdom of our own comfort. May we serve your kingdom, God. And the implications of that, that's, individually, Lord, all of us are, I mean, you said to take up your cross and follow. You said like to give up our lives, to find our lives in you. So anything short of that would be compromise. May that happen, Lord, in your church. Anoint me as um, I communicate these truths to your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, First Peter was written by uh, Peter the Apostle. Uh, who is a former disciple of Jesus in the the first century A.D., uh, to a group of Christ followers that at that time was scattered throughout Asia Minor. Uh, or modern day Turkey, it was a diaspora, kind of like we're in a digital diaspora, they're in a, a physical one, uh, and they were scattered because of some sort of persecution that was happening to Christians. And so there's this theme, if you read First Peter, we just did in our bread reading, not just a few a couple weeks ago, this theme of suffering runs through the entire letter. And Peter writes to encourage them, uh, actually no, I think uh, we're going to be reading First Peter, we haven't read it yet, sorry. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm behind. It just came to me, it's later. They were scattered because of uh, some sort of persecution. And so Peter writes to encourage them and to teach them how to live in a society that is not friendly to the gospel. He's teaching them how do you live in a world that is not friendly to the gospel of Jesus? Because of that first century context in that first context, the church throughout the centuries have looked to this letter to help shape a theology of what it means to live in a particular society or culture. Or said a little bit differently, Peter's audience had an historical moment. And Peter writes so they would be faithful to God in that particular moment and faithful to their society that they were living in as well. And we too have a historical moment. I actually taught on this text and a version of this sermon way back in 2014. Remember six years ago, remember 2014? And I said then that we're living in a historical moment, but I wanna wanna like revise that. I wanna edit that a bit. This is our moment. 2020, going into 2021, in the midst of this global pandemic, in the midst of all of the all of the unrest in our in our in our nation, all the national turmoil, global turmoil that we're in the midst of, this church is our historical moment. I think this text can help us learn to be faithful in the moment that we find ourselves in. And by the way, being faithful should be on a very short list of, th- of, of like life goals for every follower of Jesus. Like if you had a list of life goals, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, like on, on this very short list of life goals should be be faithful, remain faithful, endure to the end, that should be it. So how do we stay faithful? I think this text helps us do that. Now this is a strange text, I'll admit that. Um, there's very strange and archaic language in this. Uh, metaphors that P- Peter's using doesn't really map uh, into our current reality. There's talks of stones and and priesthoods and sacrifices. These things that we don't we don't really build with stone anymore. Not really anymore, like faux stone and like maybe pebbles on the ground or something like, but not like stone like they did. Um, we don't really have priesthoods. And we don't really do sacrifices. Um, so what this whole section, what this, this, this teaching is teaching us, even though it doesn't really map into, into our context, um, is about God building something. That's basically what Peter's saying. God is in the middle of building something. Right now, God is building something. In 2020, God is building something. This whole section is about God's building project now god builds with stones here this is he says god's building with stones now back in the first century they built with structures big structures with giant stones if you've ever been to the middle east or or uh, ancient parts of europe or jerusalem or they just giant stones they would build with back then now peter's saying god is building something and he's using stones to build this building and the stone is a person it's a living stone look at verse six I uh, see I lay in Zion and Zion is code for Jerusalem or like God's place, the hotspot of God's activity. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious uh, and the one who trusts in him. So this stone we're told is Jesus. So the God is building something. He's, he's using stone to build it. And the stone is a person, not just any person. This stone is Jesus. And it says, and this stone was chosen. That's the next thing. It was God's chosen plan to build using his son. So whatever God is building here, he's using his son as the precious cornerstone, which ev- the cornerstone was which everything else, like plumb line, that everything else was built off of. Like this stone was straight and perfect, and they would they would have to find the, the perfect kind of angles of the stone. They had to look at a stone like, oh, this would make a beautiful cornerstone. God said, I chose a stone, a living stone, it's Jesus, and he's the cornerstone. He's the perfect stone, and he's the one that everything else is built off of, the plumb line, everything else is built off of okay so stone was chosen by god that was jesus okay the next thing it says the stone was was chosen but it was rejected god's people building towards what they think is god's kingdom see god always uh, was using, uh, the plan of God was to use Israel to build his kingdom. This is the Old Testament, right? Uh, the, the family of Abraham that turned into the, the nation of Israel, God chose them and delivered them from Egypt and said, now I'm going to give you my laws and I'm going to give you uh, my the, the commands of, of how I want you to order this just society and this is how I want you to live in the world and I want you to be uh, a kingdom of priests so that, you, um, that you, you show what I'm like in the world and not just that but through you I'm going to bless the whole nation. Every nation on earth and this was the the plan from the beginning God's uh, people were always the center of God's kingdom the center of God's plan and so Jesus comes along right Jesus comes along and the builders that are building and read Israel at this time are building and they look at Jesus all these they're building with these stones and they pick up the stone Jesus and they're like Reject this stone. This stone does not fit into our plans. And all of a sudden, Israel was building their own kingdom and it wasn't God's kingdom anymore. So they took Jesus, who was the cornerstone, and they rejected him. Jesus comes along and he doesn't fit. Think of that. You see him, and he's like, oh, this is a, this is a good stone. I mean, this, it's good, but it just doesn't really fit in this thing that we're building. But God's like, no, I'm building something, and he's not just, it doesn't just fit. He's the one thing that you're supposed to fit to. But they reject him. Not only do they reject him, they kill him. They kill the cornerstone. Not just they, us. We all have. We all, Rome, uh, the Romans, uh, the Israelites, everyone's a part of this plan. we have, we have. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have done this, right? So the stone was chosen, but it was rejected. Third, the stone is precious. The stone is just not like any other stone. This one is precious and the only stone that fits in God's plan for the future. It's a precious stone. Over and over again, it says this stone was precious to God. This is the only way for God's kingdom, what he had in mind from the very beginning, all the things that God had in mind, Jesus was at the, the, is the cornerstone of it. Now, this is who Jesus was, right? He was the one who was the... The living stone, chosen, rejected, and precious. God is building something, and Jesus uh, is the foundation of this building. He's everything. But then, it talks about us. We, Christ followers, are living stones, plural. So we, that God is building something, Jesus is the cornerstone, and then he's using his followers as well, meaning we too are part of God's building project. So whatever God is building, Christians are a part of this building plan too. Now, how do we know this? Well, look, we're actually, all the things that were said about Jesus are said about us. We are chosen. Look at verse 9. We are a chosen people, meaning we are are not a simple add-on. We are chosen from the foundations of the world to be part of what God is doing. This is actually God's plan from the very beginning to involve us, God's people, in what he's doing in the world. Jesus didn't save us and Israel wasn't called out just so they can die and go to heaven. That is not the plan. Whoever told you that was a plan of like salvation or a plan of Christianity was lying to you. They sold you something that was not real. That is not the, 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 the plan. That's way too simplistic. The plan is that you and I would live in this life working, building, partnering with God as his chosen people, building what God is building. And this is why God gets so frustrated in the Old Testament when Israel is so busy building their stuff, their thing, and not building towards God's thing this is why God gets so frustrated angry saddened all these things in Jesus' time as well the same sort of thing you're not seeking first the kingdom and we wonder why we're so filled with uh this emptiness that we can't fill and anxiety that we can't cure and all like we're building our own kingdom and it's not working even when we get the very things that we're trying to build, we get them and they don't satisfy us. We're building things that um, we're trying to like use broken cisterns to hold water. We're trying to we're we're so busy building our paneled houses and God's houses and ruins. These are like the imagery that we get from the scripture about building our own stuff versus building towards and partnering with God for what He's doing. So we're chosen, just like Jesus was chosen, but we're also rejected. If you notice that in the, in the text. As, as Christ, so goes his followers. So if Jesus was rejected, you and I will be rejected as well. And we'll, we'll be rejected because of the same reasons Jesus was rejected, not because we're kind of idiots and loud on Twitter or whatever, but because we, are, because we love our enemies, because we live for truth, because we live for righteousness, as revealed in scripture. We will bear the reproach of Christ alongside of Christ. But we're also precious to God. Precious. We are precious to God. Now, everything implied um, in, this, in this scripture has to do with corporate. Being part of something corporate, so this is not individual right so a lot of times we think of Jesus as our personal savior or individual individual spirituality um, that 's not how the New Testament reads at it all it 's always a people, a group of people, a church, a community but here 's where it gets, it narrows into where uh, God looks at every single person you and you are you precious to him now the the, the, re, the, the original language um, here means like your God's uh, a special possession. Meaning, um, I mean, the only way this, only way that like the best way this like uh, is illustrated is like a toothbrush, right? Like you can have all kinds of possessions, but your toothbrush is your like your own special possession. And you shouldn't share it with anyone. By the way, if you didn't know that, never share a toothbrush. Like uh, last week, I think I actually grabbed Ashley's toothbrush that was, looked just like my toothbrush and it was sitting in the wrong place in the bathroom and I used it. And after I was done, I felt disgusting. I felt like I had to confess something to Ashley. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I used your toothbrush on accident. I feel bad for me. I feel bad for you. There's no more Sonicare heads. So you have to going to bleach this thing. I don't know what you're going to do, but it's like, and I'm now have to brush my teeth over. It was like really, really bad situation, right? Why? Because your toothbrush is your special possession it's only yours. And this is how God thinks of every single person, right? You are my special possession. Yes, I have a lot of you, but I just actually just have one of you as well. It's like that. It's like that sort of thing where God has a family, but every single person in his family is a special possession. It means that God makes something and then, uh, and then he, he looks at you with uh, a fondness, uh, uh, like you were his only thing he's ever owned or had or possessed, right? He bought you. Uh, through the blood of Christ, and it's like he, he, he has you as a special possession. So we are a part of what God, what God is building as well. Jesus is the foundation and the cornerstone, and we as living stones are part of it too. Now, hopefully you're with me. God's building something. He's building a project. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who's, who's like the plumb line. Jesus uses the, the, the church, all of us, and we are part of this building. Now, the question is, what is god building i mean that's the question right i I think we all know this anticipation i just started like a little uh, building project in our garage this past week and whenever people come over to pick up something or everyone like kind of peeks in the garage like oh what's going on here what are you guys building like that sort of thing and and it's happened several times over the last week when something's being built everyone's like curious like oh what's going on here what's what's being built here we should be thinking the same thing okay so god's building something jesus is the cornerstone we're living we're also stones what is he building and the answer, like drum roll. I don't know how to do drum rolls. Okay, the, the answer is this. God is building a temple. Now, that might sound anticlimactic. It might be like, oh, well, I have no idea what that means. Like, what does it mean that God is building a temple? Now, in the first century context, this, the implications of a temple are huge. The fact that God would be building a temple And the reason why it's not blowing our minds is that we don't understand the implications of God building a temple. This whole section is actually temple language. Did you notice that what God is building, he's building a spiritual house, which is a temple, a holy priesthood who ministered in temples, holy priests, to offer sacrifices to God, what were offered in temples, sacrifices. God God is building a temple here on earth. Now, what does this mean? To explain this, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show a video. Uh, the Bible Project, who we are um, huge fans of and support, supporters of, uh, did a video that I would love to play now. That explains this concept of what it means that uh, that there's a temple that God is building on Earth.
1: But here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So
2: we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but... This idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about
1: that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning
2: where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping.
1: Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world, and so on.
2: But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from Him.
1: Yeah, so we have these two spaces now, and the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction.
2: So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So
1: explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of
2: temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by
1: Moses. And the other But not so fast because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty. But human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how
2: do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this?
1: Yeah, the the idea is this. to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again.
0: Okay, I I hope that, um, I hope that things start to click for some of you hopefully all of you when you see that what god is doing is he's taking pockets of heaven thin space of heaven where heaven meets earth and we are that thing that god is building and he's putting these little like micro temples all over the world all over the nation can you imagine if we actually believed this if we actually lived into this like like the we're all so probably exhausted of looking at the uh, uh, the, the voting map, right? How did everyone, what states are red, what states are blue? Like we, you've looked at those maps. Imagine looking at a map like that, but all of the hotspots of God's people all over the world, those are mini temples spreading the gospel of Jesus, spreading the, the in-breaking kingdom of God all over the world. Like you're at home right now. The kingdom of God is in your home right now. It's spreading in your apartment. It should be spreading into your neighborhood. You're spreading out. It's like this little hot spot where heaven meets uh, earth through your life. God is setting up. This is actually the Genesis project. We were created in God's image. So whenever uh, at this time when kings would, would take over and occupy um, a, 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 a nation or, or a, a place, they would conquer it. They would set up an image of themselves in this place. Like this, this, this king, this conqueror took over this land and he rules over this land. Uh, just like maybe we might do with a, a flag today or something like that, a United States flag. We'd put it like, we did this, this is our land, that sort of thing. Well, we are made in the image of God. So it's like we are little images of God everywhere, and that was were, were like taken from us at the fall because we handed that over to Satan and we we're like, we don't actually have the dominion that we had, but Jesus got it back for us and now we are truly, the, 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 the spirit of God lives in us and so we have like God's rule and law written on our hearts and we carry the kingdom of God everywhere we go. So when you're in Whole Foods or you're at a restaurant eating outside, hopefully, or you're, at, you're, out, you're out for a walk with a friend, whatever it is, you're bringing in the kingdom of God. The temple is a place where God's presence was. It was a place uh, set apart for holiness to God and for God. It was a place of sacrifice and prayers and worship and witness. You are that temple. Church, we are that temple. When we gather on Sundays, but we gather kind of house to house in our homes all over the city and some of our congregation is kind of scattered all over the nation right now because you can work from anywhere but you're still part of this church but you're logging on from somewhere else, this is your part of this temple that's there and here and here and here. Now, this is the meta thing that God is after. Psalm seventy-two nineteen says, praise be to his glorious name, the whole earth is filled with his glory this is God's plan that the whole earth would be filled with his glory not that the whole earth would be filled with democrats or the whole earth would be filled with republicans that the whole earth would be filled with followers of Jesus who serve king Jesus not a nation not a party that would serve Jesus that would be it God in his brilliant plan has redeemed us back into this building project. We're not building. We are not building a political future. We're not building a progressive moment. We're not building a conservative moment. We are a part of building the inbreaking kingdom of God. Please know that. This is why you do not fit in any party. You don't fit If you think you comfortably fit in a Republican party, you don't. If you think you comfortably fit in a Democratic party, you don't. The only place that you fit perfectly is as a, a stone in God's temple, bringing in the presence of God. That's where you fit. And you need to know that, that tension that you're feeling, that, 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 pain, that angst that you're feeling uh, this last week, it's probably because you've, you might have over-identified with some political thing or something going on in our nation. I need to stop and go, I identify fully as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. See you what, you and I are, if you want to get kind of sci-fi, which I'm reading um, uh, Dune right now finally, so I'm like super sci-fi right now. So um, it's like little portals where we are, the churches, and we are, as people of God, we are little portals where the future is lived out in the present. So whatever the future that God is bringing, the future that Jesus is bringing, his rule and his reign, we live that out in the presence right now. Now what does that mean? Well, if God's kingdom is peace, love, righteousness, joy, truth, generosity, purity, and wholeness, we are a community, a little portal into that future community right now now if you're not living into that if you're not living into peace and love and righteousness and joy and truth and generosity and purity and wholeness guess what you can repent you can say and confess that to jesus and say jesus i have not lived in purity i am not living in generosity i am not living in wholeness i'm not living in righteousness i'm not living in joy i'm not living in truth and i repent and i want to align myself back up with the cornerstone we are like a movie trailer We are a foretaste of coming attractions. That's basically what the slide from the film was right here on the screen. We are these little pockets of Jesus' kingdom breaking in all over. I wish that little thing was all over San Francisco. That's us, just pockets of Jesus' kingdom breaking in all over San Francisco. This is who we are. This is how we proclaim the excellencies of God. That we would proclaim, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, as it says in verse 9. Now, all of these implications are written in, in, in Jesus' actually his name. And this is where we get a little bit confused. This, it's actually there. It's, it's, it's hidden in Jesus' name. It's actually hidden in a, in a bad way, not a good way. Um, it's hidden to us because we don't really know the language. Jesus' name, Jesus, we call Jesus Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of us think that Christ is Jesus' last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? His name was not Jesus. People say Jesus H. Christ. I don't even know what that means. But, like, that's not his name, right? His name is Jesus. His last name is not Christ. That's a title. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Now, uh, Richard Lovelace, in his book Renewal as a Way of Life, writes this about that. The connection between the good news. And the kingdom of God is obscured for Christians by the use of the Greek word Christ for Messiah throughout our translations of the new Testament. Every time we come across the phrase, Jesus Christ, instead of hearing Jesus, the King who was promised to Israel, all we hear is Jesus followed by a meaningless syllable for most probably the phrase means Jesus who saves me from my sins. This is certainly true, but it falls short of saying, and this is it, Jesus, the ruler of the whole new order of life, who has delivered me so that I can be a part of it. That is what Christ means. The ruler who ushers in a whole new order and a whole new way of life who has delivered me from sin and death and Satan so that I can be a part of this life now. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is the rock that will crush all the other kingdoms of the world according to Daniel's prophecy. He is the righteous one who will make all things new. Jesus is the Christ, the king, the one who ushers in a whole new way of living. If you find yourself living for some other reason, some other way, you're going to either be horribly uh, depressed, um, unsatisfied, empty, or uh, if you're lucky, uh, God will crush your projects and you'll one day uh, live into his project. That's, that's the hope, that God crush my plans. God, um, destroy the kingdom of myself. Every, every plan that I try to make to build my own kingdom, God, would you crush it so that I'm about your kingdom so I can live my life uh, according to uh, partnering with you and, and bringing in your kingdom no matter where I work, no matter where I live, no matter who I'm in a relationship with. I want my whole life to be bringing in your kingdom. Church, I've been um, just uh, like, I've been in a lot of uh, heart, heartache for the, the state of our, our world, the state of our nation, and especially the state of our church. And I know that there are a lot of you who um, uh, have given yourself to, to uh, a political ideology a way you think that uh, the world would be better if, if this happened, if this president was president, or if this policy was passed. And to some degree, you might be right. You might be absolutely right. The problem is, is that we, we, leave, we leave aside that we are a kingdom people and not a part of anyone's project. The only project that we are a part of is Jesus' project. That's it. And that robust spirituality should drive us into the world to definitely change policy and definitely change politics but not whoring ourselves after these things not giving ourselves over to them in ways that um that are actually kind of ridiculous for a christian we should fit into a society where we're always kind of strange but not in ways that weird strange people are are on twitter and Facebook. Not only that kind of strange, but a strange in the way that we don't really fit into any like little slot. It's been hard. It's hard to live in San Francisco and not fit into this very liberal uh, uh, blue uh, state. It's very hard as a Christian. I would imagine if you live somewhere like in uh, in the South, it's very hard to fit into this very conservative Republican thing. It's hard and we have to resist these things to go. I don't fit. I should not fit into this that easy. I only fit as, a, as a, a, a stone in God's temple. That's the only place I actually fit. Rant over, let's pray. Lord God, I just pray that you would make us a kingdom people with a kingdom vision. I pray that the kingdom of God would start in people's homes. I pray that people would start to think of their homes as places. Right now, as they're sitting in their home and they're looking around their living room, and they're probably, if they have uh, friends over, there, everyone's heads are bowed, or if they have kids, are kind of running around, and they would see that home that they are in as the, the the hot spot of where your kingdom wants to bring in, break in, and they would order their lives in their home. They would start there, in ways that bring honor to you, and align to your kingdom, and that would spread out into. Uh, their, their doorway threshold and out into their neighborhood, God. I pray they would see the way they work and the way they live as like hotspots. I pray that they would anoint the, the, the doorposts of their house and say, this house is holy to God and I will, this house will serve God. This house will serve the Lord. I pray that would happen and it would go out from there and you would spread the gospel of the kingdom through our lives, God. And shame on us if we get hijacked into anyone else's project. May we, may we not be pawns in anyone else's project, only, only the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.